بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وسلم تسليما بسبحت الاسمز السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Previously I spoke on the topic of gratitude Shukr. I said a lot in the space of a short talk and I was requested to expand and elaborate on some of the points so inshallah I will do that today. I've already mentioned a lot about Shukr gratitude, the word for ingratitude I explained in some detail. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us much to be grateful for, beginning with life, with health, even faith, even good deeds. So let me discuss some practical examples of how we, of what we should be grateful for and how we can be grateful for these things to Allah. Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam have mentioned some of the most basic things in the Quran and Hadith for which a person should be grateful. In the story I mentioned before about Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who all came out hungry, the famous hadith of Sahih Muslim. They were hungry and they were fed on dates, on water and then eventually they had a meal and the Prophet told them, We will be, you will be questioned about this on the day of reckoning. Imam Tirmidhi relates that the Prophet said, Indeed, the first thing, or one of the first things that a servant of Allah will be questioned about on the day of judgment is that it will be said to him and yuqala lah alam nusihha laka jismak wa nurwika min al-ma'il barid did we not give you did we not make healthy your body did we not make your body healthy for you and did we not give you of cold water to drink so these are just examples of simple things, dates, water, milk, the body, basic health, food. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnaakum washkuru lillahi in kuntum iyyahu ta'budun. O believers, eat of the pure things that we have provided for you. And this is a reference to food. O oh, believers, eat of the pure things that we have provided for you. And then, And be grateful to Allah, if it is indeed only Him that you worship and serve. So, simple food, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell people on the day of judgment, did we not give you a healthy body? And did we not give you water to drink? Indeed, this body of ours, 
to appreciate what we have, we should look at those who do not enjoy, possess and share, or who are not endowed with what Allah has blessed us with. It's a test of Allah. We do not understand Allah's wisdom in such things. But to be grateful for what we have in terms of physical health, just look at those who for whatever reason do not enjoy and possess that health. I was mentioning about exercises that psychological, therapeutic exercises that are given for the betterment of one's mental and emotional health and well-being. Some of these exercises include things such as write down all that you have. Don't focus on what you don't have, but write down all that you have and concentrate on these things. That's just one of the exercises. Someone then told me later of another exercise that they had read about, which is write down just a few things. You could just write down three things, for instance. Beginning with the phrase or beginning with the words, I am grateful that I am not. Do that. I am grateful that I am not. Forget everything else. Take a pen and paper and write down three or five sentences. You, sometimes it's difficult to actually go through them, so begin with just three. I am grateful that I am not. And then put down whatever you wish. That will really put things into focus and into perspective. I am grateful that I am not. And sometimes, one of the first things that may come to a person's mind when doing such an exercise is health, is disability. That I am grateful that I am not disabled. I am grateful that I am not a cripple. I am grateful that I am not a blind, Allahu Akbar. Just the eyes. They have been called Karimatayn, meaning the two noble, honoured, precious items and possessions of a human being. In a hadith, quoting Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, well, the hadith, the paraphrasing of the hadith is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take away the two valuable, prized, noble, honoured possessions of his servant. And then his servant remains patient over such a dispossession, except that Allah rewards him with jinn. And what are those two prized, noble, honoured possessions? The eyes. They are so valuable. In a verse of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna sam'a wal basra wal fu'ada, kullu ulaika kana anhum as'ula. That indeed, the hearing, and the sight, and the heart, all of these things will be questioned about, meaning every human being will be questioned about these things. Of course, along with other things. But why have these been mentioned? It's because with the mind and heart we think and we feel. With the eyes we see. With the ears we hear. These are great gifts. 
These are our channels of communication with the world, our channels of perception, vision, hearing, understanding, feeling. These are the senses. And these are great gifts and blessings. So we will be questioned about these specific gifts and blessings, along with others, but they have been specifically mentioned. That Allah has given us them. What did we do with them? How did we use them? This is why the ears can be used in good or in sin. The power of speech. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives all that he gives as a test. One shouldn't think that there's good in me for which Allah has given me this. Or there's ill in him or her that they have been deprived of such a thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the prophets والسلام, including the prophet Musa والسلام, be grateful to Allah. Tell your people to be grateful to Allah. And Musa والسلام, is one prophet amongst others who Allah mentions in the Quran as having been given specific instructions to guide his people to shukr, to gratitude. It was Musa alayhi salam who told his people, وَإِذْ تَأَذَّنَ رَبُّكُمْ لَإِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ وَلَإِن كَفَرْتُمْ إِنَّ عَذَابِي لَشَدِيدٌ And remember when your Lord declared that if you are grateful, I will surely give you more. But if you are ungrateful, then indeed my retribution is severe. Musa salam is the one who gave that message to his people. Musa salam was also the one whom Allah instructed with the words. وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا مُوسَى بِآيَاتِنَا أَنْ أَخْرِجْ قَوْمُكَ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُورِ and indeed we sent Musa with our signs, commanding him, that extract your people from the darknesses, plural, to the light. And then, And remind them, meaning your people, of the blessings and favors of Allah. Ayyamullah here means ni'amullah. وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِأَيَّامِ اللَّهِ وَذَكِّرْهُمْ بِنِعْمِ And remind them, the people, of the gifts, favors, bounties, and blessings of Allah. إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِكُلِّ صَبَّارٍ شَكُورٍ Indeed, in this are clear signs for every patient, grateful person. So Musa salam was commanded by Allah to be grateful, to teach his people gratitude. But why have I mentioned all of this about Musa salam? To illustrate a point, I was mentioning about the power of hearing, the sense of sight, the power of speech. And that we shouldn't think that there's good in us that Allah has given us something or there's ill in someone else that Allah has deprived them of something. Everything Allah gives, Allah gives as a test. Allah withholds as a test. Two sides of the same coin. Allah gives to tests. Allah withholds to test. Allah gives to some to see if they are shakir, grateful. Allah withholds things from people to see whether they are sabir, patient. So Musa alayhi salam, remarkably, he was kalimullah, meaning the one whom Allah would converse with. Who had a gift or a blessing greater than that of conversing with Allah? He was called Kalimullah, the conversant of Allah. And yet, despite all of these other blessings that Allah showered on him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to withhold from him what he gave countless others, which is fluent speech. Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, 
suffered from a stutter, a speech impediment. And that's why when Allah told him, go to Pharaoh, Musa alayhi salam said to Allah, and the background was that Musa alayhi salam felt that I suffer a speech impediment. And Allah is instructing me to go back to Egypt and to go to Pharaoh to face him and with the speech impediment to stand in his courts full of dignitaries, nobles, Viziers, courtiers, bureaucrats, scribes, every single one of whom was fluent, articulate, influential, powerful, and to stand before all of them and with this speech impediment deliver a message from the creator of the words. So he prayed to Allah, رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّلْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْلُ الْعُقْدَةً مِّنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي وَجْعَلْ لِي وَزِيرًا مِّنْ أَهْلِي هَارُونَ أَخِشْتُ بِهِ أَزْرِي That, O oh my Lord, open up, expand, Make content my bosom. And make easy for me my affair. Wahlul millisani. And unravel this knot in my tongue. That's the meaning. Wahlul millisani. And unravel this knot in my tongue. Yafqahu qawli so that they may understand my words. So if we can speak fluently, without stuttering, without stammering, that is such a gift and such a blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala withheld even from the Prophet Musa alayhi salam in his wisdom. Even though Allah gave him so much and Allah instructed him to be grateful, and Allah instructed him to tell his people to be grateful. But Allah in his wisdom withheld the blessing of unimpeded speech, even from his beloved conversant prophet Musa alayhi salam, who actually enjoyed the title Kalimullah, the one with whom Allah spoke directly. And that's just one gift in the body the gift of the tongue, the gift of speech. So we should be grateful that we are not unable to speak. And for those who do suffer a speech impediment, know that this is not because of any flaw, shortcoming or defect in you. None at all. Allah doesn't give necessarily because that person is better or withhold because that person is not better. No. We do not understand the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gives to test and Allah withholds to test. These two are the same. These, these are both different sides of the same coin. The test of Allah. Every gift and grant of Allah is a test. Every depriving and withholding on the part of Allah is a test. We can hear. That in itself is such a gift. We can see. And this is probably the most precious thing we have. Allah Akbar. To be able to see. We also have a duty to look after our eyes. 
We really do. To look after our health. To look after our eyes. Never to endanger these gifts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's remarkable is glasses are a very recent phenomenon. Spectacles are a very recent phenomenon. And until recently, people enjoyed excellent sounds. Modern day lighting, modern day viewing, reading, especially in poor light. That is very harmful. We have a duty to preserve that health. Our bodies are an amana, a trust from Allah. They are a test, they are a gift. We cannot abuse these bodies. We, we must look after them. And looking after them doesn't necessarily mean getting jacked at the gym and chiseled. But in moderation, wisely, responsibly, looking after the body. The eye. The hearing, one side, the rest of the functions and senses of the body. Allah subhanahu Allah says, Indeed, the eyes, the, uh, the hearing, and the sight, and the heart, all of these things will be questioned about. We will be interrogated about these things, and that goes along with the hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said the first thing that a person will be, servant will be questioned about on the day of reckoning is, Alam jismak, did we not make healthy for you your body? If we have a healthy body, a normal functioning body, that in itself is such a great gift and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can begin from there. Our eyes, our ears, our power and sense of hearing, of sight, of thinking. If we do not suffer mental ill health, emotional ill health, we should be grateful to Allah. And there is no stigma in that either. There isn't. There can be many causes for depression. Sometimes it's self-inflicted, but on so many occasions, very normal people, innocent people who haven't done anything to induce that depression, for various reasons, they suffer mental ill health. And we should, they deserve, every ill person deserves sympathy without that. And we shouldn't draw a distinction between physical illness and mental illness. The body is a very complex and extremely sensitive organism, which is vulnerable and susceptible to all manner of changes. The smallest thing disrupts the whole system. It really does. And the mind is even more complex than the body. It's the most complex organism known to man in the universe. As far as we know, there's nothing more complex than the human brain. So anything can trigger some malfunctioning of the mechanism. The brain is susceptible to wounds, dents, disturbance, disruption. Allah make it easy for everyone. But if someone is innocently suffering from ill health, then they do deserve sympathy and support. And we shouldn't draw any distinction between physical well-being and health and mental well-being and health. Unfortunately, when we draw that distinction, we just treat people with mental and emotional health issues as being mad, which doesn't help in any way. 
So if we are sound of mind and sound of body, that in itself is such a great gift and blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That in itself. We should learn to be grateful. We should begin to be grateful to Allah. And how can we be grateful? One, by constantly verbally being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and mentally. Ascribing everything to Allah. But alhamdulillah for this. In a very beautiful hadith related by Imam Tabarani rahmatullahi alayhi, and a similar hadith is related by Ibn Majah in his son from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu an and Tabarani from Abu Umama radiyallahu an. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Never does Allah bestow his blessing, just one. Ma an'amallahu ala abdin, ni'matan. Never does Allah bestow a blessing upon his servant. And then that servant praises Allah, except that that praising is actually greater to Allah than the gift and the blessing itself. Never does Allah bestow a blessing upon his servant. And then that servant praises Allah for that blessing. Except that the praise which the servant renders to Allah is greater to Allah than the gift and the blessing itself. Can you imagine? And that's just for saying Alhamdulillah. So one, we should be grateful to Allah verbally, mentally, ascribing all good to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never to oneself. And therefore being proud of it. And arrogant about it. If Allah has blessed someone with beauty, why should they be arrogant? Allah gives in one way and Allah takes in another way. So, Mentally, we should ascribe, we should be grateful and ascribe all good to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah in his wisdom, which we do not understand, chose to give us this. Or chose to withhold this from others. We should be, and it's a test. That are we grateful to Allah for it? Or are we ungrateful? Are we grateful verbally and mentally by ascribing that to Allah and not to ourselves? And being smug and arrogant over it? Or are we truly grateful to Allah? It's a test. So we should be grateful to Allah verbally, first of all, saying Alhamdulillah, as often as possible. The Quran begins with the word, Surah Al-Fatiha begins with the word, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alam. All praise belongs to Allah. We don't deserve any praise. And this may seem a rather simplistic thing to say, but it, it's very profound in itself because it's a reminder that do not praise yourselves. Praise Allah. Do not praise yourselves. If Allah has bestowed a blessing on you, then you should be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The hamd, the praise, for that belongs to Allah, not to you. So that's one way of being grateful, verbally and mentally, in belief by ascribing this to Allah. Furthermore, one should be grateful by using these gifts and blessings of Allah, one's hearing, one's sight, one's power of speech, one's tongue, one's intelligence, one's mind, one's body, one's energy, one's life, one's time, in the service and in the pleasure of Allah, rather than in the disobedience of Allah.
We should be grateful for life, for our health, our bodies. We should even be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the good that we do. This is something else. If we do good, any good, any good, we always like to believe this is because of me. I'm a good person, that's why I do good. And we feel proud about it. And there's a very fine line between feeling satisfaction and a sense of achievement and accomplishment. Most importantly, I would describe it as satisfaction and contentment and pride and smugness and arrogance. It's a very fine line. As long as we ascribe things to Allah, then there is no harm in that blessing being visible. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam met a sahabi radiallahu And he was dressed very simply, very, very, very simply. Prophet said to him, has Allah not given you wealth? Meaning, has Allah given you wealth? She said, of course, Allah has given me much wealth. What kind of wealth? I have camels, I have uh, flocks. So Allah, I have wealth. So the Prophet said to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves to see his ni'mah, his favor, his blessing upon his servant. If Allah has given you something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes to see it on you. One of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu wore, wore something. And his companions saw him, meaning the Sahabi's companions, saw him and they realized that this is such a beautiful and splendid piece of clothing which we have never seen before on him. So when he emerged, they were all staring at him. So he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows his blessing upon his servants, he wishes to see the effects of that blessing upon his servants. And this hadith has been narrated from a number of different sahaba radiallahu anhum that indeed Allah desires to see the mark or the effects of his blessing upon his servant. In one narration, in Allah yuhibbu an yara athara ni'matihi ala abdih. And in one narration, in Allah yuhibbu an tura ni'matuhu ala abdih. That indeed Allah wishes to see, loves to see the effect, the trace of his blessing upon his servant. And in a hadith related by Imam Muslim and others, Sahaba, one of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum asked Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, a man likes his shoes to be good. And the, the hadith continues, so the paraphrasing, the meaning of the hadith is, a man likes to, his shoes to look good, his clothes to look good, etc. So is this arrogance? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no. In Allah jameelun yuhibbul jamal. Indeed, Allah is beautiful and Allah loves beauty. And in some narrations of a similar hadith, Allah is beautiful, Allah loves beauty, and Allah wishes to see the effect of his blessing upon his servant. Arrogance is the denial of truth. Arrogance is the denial of truth. And the contempt of the people. Holding others in contempt and looking down on others is arrogance. So, when we do something good, if we feel a sense of achievement, accomplishment, and most importantly, the word I would use is satisfaction and pleasure and contentment for having done something good. 
That is commendable. There is no harm in that at all. If a person fasts, optional fast, let's say on a Monday, one week they decide it's a very long day, but still they say, I'm going to fast. Monday they observe a sunnah fast. Thursday they observe a sunnah fast. And at the end of their fast on that day, they feel happy and content that I did something, I managed it, I completed it, I accomplished it. I feel good. There is no harm in that at all. That is good. It's a sense of of achievement, a sense of accomplishment. It's satisfaction. It's a sense of contentment and happiness and valid joy over a good deed. That is all acceptable and it's commendable. There is no harm in that. As long as, along with that joy and satisfaction and sense of accomplishment, a person believes that this, would, this wasn't possible because of good in me. Rather, this was possible only with the tawfiq and the divine blessing, strengthening and enablement of Allah and the guidance of Allah. That's the balance. One can feel happy and content and joyous over the good that one does and a sense of satisfaction. But one should never ascribe the origin of that good deed to come from oneself in the sense that it's because of the goodness in me that I did this and I achieved this. On the day of reckoning, in fact, in Jannah, in Jannah itself. And this is the beauty of the people of Jannah. That even in Jannah, Allah quotes them. They will say, Alhamdulillahilladhi hadana lihadha wa ma kunna linahtadhi alawla an hadana Allah. That all praise be to Allah who guided us to this. And we were not ones to have found guidance ourselves. We were not ones to be guided ourselves. If it wasn't for the fact that Allah had guided us. It's remarkable. The end of the verse says, That it will be announced that this is paradise, which you have been given in inheritance and in succession because of the deeds you used to do. So Allah will actually tell them, it will actually be announced to them that this Jannah you have earned through your deeds. But they at the beginning of the verse still say, Alhamdulillah, all praise be to Allah who guided us to this. And if it wasn't for Allah's guidance, we would have never found guidance. In Surah Al-Hujarat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, يمنون عليك أن أسلموا قل لا تمنوا علي إسلامكم بل الله يمن عليكم أن هداكم بالإيمان they boast to you. They boast of their favor to you. That they have become Muslim. Say, do not boast of your Islam to me. Rather, Allah boasts and Allah announces his favor to you. That he guided you to faith. If only you would truly believe. Or if you are true believers. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum ascribed all good to Allah. Major and minor. Iman as well as single small good deeds.
if we speak the truth, if we speak the truth, we like to believe of ourselves that I speak the truth because I'm a good person. I don't lie because I'm a moral, upright, scrupulous, ethical, pious individual. I am not unscrupulous. I am not corrupt. I am not dishonest. I do not lack integrity. I am a good person. And that's why I speak the truth. If we speak truth, we like to believe that that truthfulness and honesty and integrity come from the goodness of our character. In that famous long hadith, related by one of the poets amongst the Arabs, Ka'b ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu. A very eloquent individual who has that famous long hadith about his ordeal. And I've commented on the entire hadith in great detail. So do refer to it. When he chose to remain behind, in the ninth year of Hijrah, from the campaign of Tabuk. And when the Prophet ﷺ returned to Medina, many hypocrites who remained behind without justification and maliciously to avoid being with the Messenger of Allah وسلم, they came and they offered their excuses and they lied, they lied to the Prophet and the Prophet وسلم, was told by Allah to ignore them, overlook them to Treat them as they were treating him. Ka'b ibn Malik came to the Prophet and he could have lied. But he spoke the truth. And because he spoke the truth, he could have lied and got away with it all. Just one simple lie. And he would have saved himself a heap of trouble. But no, he spoke the truth. For speaking the truth, he was banished. He was separated. He was isolated. He was ostracized. He was reduced to tears and loneliness and despair. And the whole, world, the, whole, the whole world, the entire earth, became narrow and restricted for him despite its vastness. Their own souls, as Allah says, وَعَلَى الثَّلَاثَةِ الَّذِينَ خُلِّفُوا حَتَّى إِذَا ضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ أَنفُسُهُمْ وَظَنُّوا أَلَّا مَلْجَأَ مِنَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا إِلَيْهِ that Allah's mercy descended upon even those three and upon those three whose affair was delayed until even when the earth, until when the earth despite its vastness became narrow and constricted for them and even their souls became constricted and suffocating for them. And they became assured and convinced that there is no refuge from Allah except unto Allah. The 
That was their condition. So he suffered all of this along with the other two Sahaba because they all spoke the truth. Speaking of that single act of great honesty, what does Ka'b ibn Malik say in that beautiful hadith? He says that after the great blessing of Iman that Allah bestowed on me, I do not know of any other gift, any other blessing, greater than the blessing of truth, which I was able to speak to the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa And he continues, when I could have lied just like the others lied, and apparently be saved, and be excused just as they were excused. But no, I spoke the truth. But remarkably what he says, despite all his sincerity, and the fact that Allah and his Rasul both loved him, despite all of that, he ascribes and he attributes truth, not to himself, not to the goodness of his character, but rather to Allah, and he regards that single instance of speaking the truth as the greatest blessing of Allah after the gift and the blessing of Iman. That's how the Sahaba saw every deed. So our piety, our good deeds, our health, our wealth, our faith, our well-being, All praise for all of these things belongs to Allah. <clears throat> all praise belongs to Allah, not to ourselves. And if someone ascribes these blessings of Allah to Allah, that in itself will protect the person from arrogance. It will. It will remind them to remain humble. <clears throat> There's so much that can be said about gratitude, being grateful. Allah gives everything or withholds anything as a test to see if the servant is grateful upon the gift of Allah, for the gift of Allah, and patient for the test of Allah. As Musa alayhi salam told his people, or as Allah told him to tell his people, and remind them of the favours of Allah, of the blessings of Allah. Indeed, in this are surely signs, clear signs, for every patient, grateful person. The two go together, sabr and shukr. <clears throat> sabr and shukr. We should be grateful to Allah for what we have and be patient over what we don't have. Not panic, not be jazul. Man is halur. And what's the definition of halur? The definition is given in the verses themselves. That man is created, that man is halur. He's created halur. So what is halur? It combines two qualities. Stingy when in good fortune and panicky when in misfortune. So whenever man doesn't have something, he forgets everything. He forgets everything. And he panics over that one thing which he or she doesn't have. And indeed, that's our condition. 
We focus on one negative, we ignore all the good. And then when we get that one good, like a child with its toy, we forget everything else and we cling on to that one thing, refusing to share it, refusing to be grateful for it. And this is why ingratitude is connected to stinginess. When, a, when Allah has gift, blessed someone with wealth, <clears throat> this verse explains it all. When Allah blesses someone with wealth, they think it's theirs. They think they've got it because it belongs to them. They think it's theirs because of some good in them. So subconsciously, inwardly, they think and they feel that, why should I share this? It's mine. It's mine. Why should I share it? And that's it. Manu'a. When good fortune touches him, he is withholding. He is stingy. Because he thinks it's mine. But if that same person genuinely felt that this is Allah's gift, Allah's favour, Allah's blessing. I'm grateful to Allah. How can he think, say and believe and feel all of that and at the same time be childish and stingy and withholding and clinging? Clingy to that thing. It just won't happen. Believing, knowing, feeling and saying that I'm grateful to Allah for this that person would be willing to share the gift of Allah, the bounty of Allah, the favour of Allah. Truly will. That's why in the other verse, وَالْعَادِيَاتِ الضَّبْحَ فَالْمُورِيَاتِ قَدْحَ فَالْمُغِيرَاتِ الصُّبْحَ فَأَثَّرْنَ بِهِ نَقْعًا فَوَسَّطْنَ بِهِ جَمْعًا Allah swears by horses. By the charging steeds. By the steeds that charge brazenly with open chests. By the same steeds who when they charge, they ignite sparks. فَالْمُغِيرَاتِ subha By the same steeds that raid early in the morning. Because that's what used to happen, morning or dawn raids. فَأَثَرْنَ بِهِ نَقْعَ And who? <coughs> raise dust. فَوَسَطْنَ بِهِ جَمْعَ And then at it, they... Penetrate the hordes and the multitudes right in the middle. So the horses will charge straight into the multitudes. Now, it's a very graphic image of horses charging into battle. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, After swearing by these horses, Indeed, man is ungrateful to his Lord. Indeed, man is ganud. The meaning of ganud is ungrateful to his Lord, denying of the favours of Allah. And he is a witness against himself of this. And indeed, one of the meanings is, and indeed he is intense and severe in his love for wealth. Again, see how the two are connected? Being ungrateful 
makes a person clingy. <clears throat> if he thinks that his belongings are entirely his, he or she will cling on to them. That these are mine, these are mine. These are mine. They don't belong to anyone else. Like a child holding on to it, clinging on to it, clasping it to one's chest, refusing to share it with others, feeling with great passion and conviction and vigour that nobody else has a right in this. It's mine. That's ingratitude to Allah. And the two are connected. Ingratitude is connected to miserliness, stinginess, and withholding. Indeed, man is ganud, i.e. extremely ungrateful. And indeed, he is a witness against himself of this. And indeed, he is intense and severe in his love of wealth. And in the other verse, indeed, man is created halur. When good fortune touches him, he is withholding and miserly and stingy. And when misfortune befalls him, he, he panics. And another interesting thing is that Allah swears by the horses. And then Allah mentions man's ingratitude. Is there a disconnect? No, there's actually a good connection. And the connection is, think of the horses. That look how grateful, loyal and devoted horses are. <clears throat> These are mighty creatures. Mighty creatures. It's been known that horses have, people have died. Because of one rear kick from a horse, people have been killed. From one rear kick. A horse is a magnificent animal. Magnificent. Its strength, its speed, its sturdiness, its resilience. Its ability. It's highly intelligent. It's very emotional. It's independent. Yet what's remarkable is that man looks after these horses, feeds them, washes them, <clears throat> feeds them grass, feeds them hay, washes them, Treats them well. And for these few things, horses become utterly loyal and devoted to their riders and their carers. For a little bit of food and a little care. To the extent that this person gives them some grass, some water, washes them, and then climbs on their backs. And then whips them. Tugs at their head. Places reins and buckles. Pulls and tugs at the mouth, at the head. To the rear, to the right, to the left prods them, goads them, whips them, races them, rides them, ties them out, and if need be, even rides them into battle. In full danger, and that's the relevance of the verses. And these horses fearlessly loyally and devotedly 
carry their riders, carry their masters, carry their feeders and carers straight into battle without fear, without reservation. Even though they can actually sense danger themselves. They are intel highly intelligent animals. This is why they kick. They don't just kick instinctively. If someone bothers a horse or irritates them, they will kick it. So upon irritation, they can kick. They're that intelligent and sensitive. But they're also intelligent, sensitive and wise enough to know that they are going into battle. They can sense a danger, but they will still ride their masters as a, out of a sense of loyalty and devotion because of some hay, some carrots, some apples and some grass and a bit of washing. Imagine. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, man is extremely ungrateful to Allah, to his Lord. That's the comparison. That look at these horses. Animals that we regard as dumb beasts, lacking the power of speech. And yet they are wiser than us. More loyal than us. More devoted than us. More grateful than us. And we, we pride ourselves on our intelligence. And in contrast to the horses who get some fruits and mainly grass and hay which we don't grow ourselves and some water and some cleaning and brushing. These animals are so loyal, so grateful in contrast to that. We who enjoy every blessing and favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah says repeatedly in Surah Al-Rahman, So, O jinn and men, which is it of the favors and the blessings and the bounties of your Lord that you deny? Which is it? What do you want to deny? What can you deny? Despite all of these favors, we are extremely ungrateful to our Lord. And we are stingy and miserly because of our intense love for wealth, which we believe is our product, our own achievement, is ours because of some goodness in ourselves, is our earning and not the gift of Allah, which causes us to refuse to share. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are truly grateful to Allah. Who learn to be grateful in word and in deed. And by being grateful, one will not only reap great rewards with Allah, one will enjoy the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one will be a better person in the sight of Allah. But even in worldly terms, one will be happier, more content, more grateful. One will be able to count one's blessings. One will be able to focus on the positives rather than the negatives and thereby enhance and improve one's mental and emotional health and well-being. One will learn to be content. And that's what we lack. Not possessions, but contentment. In the famous hadith, which we've heard so many times, لَيْسَ الْغِنَى عَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْعَرَضِ أو عَنْ كَثْرَةِ الْعَرَضِ وَلَكِنَّ الْغِنَى غِنَى النَّفْسِ So, wealth, richness, is not from the excess of goods or the excess of wealth. Rather, richness is the richness of the heart. 
the richness of the soul. And how does a person win the lottery of the soul? How does a person win the <clears throat> richness and the wealth, gain and earn the wealth of the soul? By contentment. Qana'ah. If a person has millions, but there is no qana'ah, no contentment, no kafaf in the heart, then the person is poor. If a person possesses little, but is content in the heart, that person is truly rich. True. <clears throat> because they get the benefits of being rich without actually being rich. And the former lacks any benefits of being rich, despite being rich. Riches are supposed to bring happiness and joy to a person. So what good are the riches if they don't bring that joy and happiness? And if someone is happy and joyful and content for free, why do they want the burden of riches? Why? Wealth is stressful. You own a certain amount, enough to get you by, alhamdulillah. Beyond that, it's a burden. It truly is a burden. You're always fearful. That it's going to be taken off you, going to be robbed of it. So, qana'ah, which is contentment of the heart, the richness of the heart, is deeply connected with gratitude. Because when a person is grateful, they will be content. They really will be content. And as long as a person remains ungrateful, they will be panicky, they will covet, they will long, they will yearn, they will be possessed by a sense of lack and want and deprivation. Always wanting more and feeling that they never get it. And also feeling they've got nothing to be grateful for. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those who are grateful and thereby content. Grateful in every way, in word and in deed. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala abdihi wa rasulih nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika shudu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.